Welcome to another Evolving Smart Storytelling session. Today we are with Dr. Tanya Atagi. Dr. Tanya Atagi has been serving the Denver area since 2003 and is one of the few board-certified female plastic surgeons in the Denver area. Dr. Atagi's commitment to patient service and passion for comprehensive care impacts each patient relationship and has inspired her most recent venture, Bisana Health and Wellness. Dr. Atagi created Bisana Health and Wellness to meet a rapidly growing yet unmet need in healthcare for a preventative approach to wellness. Their mission is to make Bisana your one-stop shop for head-to-toe vitality, a restorative venue, and an inspiring forum for discovering the elements of your optimal life. Dr. Tanya Ataki has been honored by her peers as top doctor in Denver's own 5280 magazine for seven years. Hello, I'm Kelly Gehring, the founder of Evolving Smart, and today I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Dr. Tanya Atagi. She is a board-certified plastic surgeon and a health guru for us all. I can't wait to hear her journey and what she is starting to create, which is called an alternative healthcare universe. Dr. Atagi, Tanya, welcome today. Thank you, Kelly. I just feel, just feel so fortunate to be here. I appreciate uh, being in the company of a number of distinguished guests that you've already had on. Well, thank you. So I'm going to call you Tanya, if that's okay, throughout our throughout our conversation here. Love it. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about your journey? Um, I find it so interesting, um, engineering, fashion, doctor, you know, medical. I mean, it's just when you start reading your story and all the bits and pieces you put together, it's just phenomenal. So please tell me a little bit about your journey. Well, uh, I appreciate you asking that. And I think my parents were probably asking the same thing when I was busy running around in a lot of different directions. And I think I have one of those resumes where it is a parent that's saying, listen, you need to figure it out and get a job. (laughs) Basically. But at the same time, you know, that being said, I think um, it, it's it's serving us well in what we're trying to accomplish in that, you know, a lot of medicine and healthcare is very siloed. And I think that that's sort of the way the world is, right? Like a lot of us become so super hyper specialized in what we're doing and focused on that, that I think sometimes we miss the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So in all my wanderings, I think finally, as I'm approaching 60, that it's all kind of coming together. And I'm sort of seeing in retrospect that all of those pieces are really helpful in what we're trying to accomplish. So I started, you know, I grew up on a farm. And I think with that, you know, you're just around a lot of mechanical things. So I started out uh, as a mechanical engineer and then discovered product design, which is a combination of design, art, engineering, Right. And uh, yeah. And so my first job out of college was working as a biomedical engineer. And I think that's what sparked my interest in medicine. And when you embark on your medical career, you have to decide sort of the big categories or whether you're going to be a surgeon or not a surgeon. Okay. Yeah. So I've always worked with my hands. So a surgical specialty made sense. And I think with that art background and all of that, plastic surgery made even more sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, yeah, because I don't know that in medicine it's a partic- considered a particular creative field, um, but within that, you know, I think plastic surgery made the most sense. 
But along those lines, you know, being a plastic surgeon and having the opportunity to work outside of the insurance model gives a person uh, the time and opportunity to explore other options, you know, other ways to practice medicine and other ways to take care of patients. So I think that's kind of what led us to where we are is thinking about as an engineer, you know, really what's a better way to do this thing. And I think, right. Yeah. So I think with healthcare, it's so complicated and, and convoluted and people are really trying to prop up this very complex system. Uh, I guess as an engineer, it's almost easier to kind of scrap the project and start over. So that's a little bit of what we're doing is kind of doing a do-over with healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk about the we, and um, I've had the fortunate experience to see and hear about the we. Um, and, you know, you're you're trying to, there's a whole group of you, which, and I'll say this this way, and I know you don't always like it this way, but I know you're the fearless leader of really pushing this group um, to, to make this alternative healthcare industry and universe. Um, and as you talk about all the challenges we have with insurance, and, and we're all fit into a smaller box. And I want you to talk to us about this journey, because it's not just the typical Western medicine of here's your prescription, go, you know, and, and we'll, we'll treat the symptom. Talk to me about the health and wellness that you are doing and that you are working with all of these amazing people. I mean, I just, it, it's, it's been eye opening to hear and watch. Well, uh, yeah, no, thank you so much. So um, it, it's really, we do try to talk in, in we terms. Um, and I think, you know, you're so kind as to, to prop me up as the fearless leader, but I think it's really um, sort of needing an organizer. So I, I see us as being the GC of the project, you know, the general contractor, because as you mentioned, there are amazing, amazing people doing for um, just bringing all kinds of terrific expertise in what they do. And um, so it's not like we're trying to invent a new technology or come up with a new drug or something like that. Like all of the pieces are out there, which is a part that's sort of mind boggling is that there, again, there's so much expertise already out there. And so we're just the GCs, you know, we're trying to bring all of these people together as a project manager Yes. And that's something, of course, you know a lot about. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, as a plastic surgeon, that's not necessarily my forte. But at the same time, uh, I feel like I've had the opportunity to tap into a lot of this expertise, both as a patient and as a practitioner and business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you ask about the kind of the wellness component, really part of the problem with medicine is that we are putting out fires. You know, we're waiting till somebody's tummy ache is so bad that they're in the emergency room. We're writing prescriptions for people's problems. And, and that's sort of stating the obvious. I think as any human, any person, any patient, we've all experienced that, right? You go to yes. see somebody for a problem and you get a prescription, but you don't really often get somebody saying, hmm, let's talk about this for an hour and let's talk about your stress and what you eat and your family and your job and um, all of the potential factors that are influencing 
why you have the tummy ache or why you have the headaches or why you're not sleeping. And so the type of medicine that needs to be practiced is called functional integrative medicine, where we're really doing more root cause analysis Mm -hmm. uh, about what is the source of the issue. And I think, again, maybe stating the obvious, everyone knows that that's the best way to take care of a problem is to figure out what's causing the problem and to fix that as opposed to piling on all of the Band-Aids. So with any of the, um, the probably hundreds or thousands of solutions that people have right now for U.S. healthcare, if you're not addressing the why of the problem, then you're not going to be able to take care of the issue. And I think there, there is more of a movement to treat a person in a more holistic way. Um, and so at the foundation of reforming or redoing healthcare, I think that has to be the most basic, basic thing. And then also along those lines is that I think with any business that you have to really pay homage to what is the essence of what you're doing in that business. And I think if you strip away all the complexities of U.S. healthcare, that the most important thing uh, is really the relationship between two people. And so, yeah, we talk about fancy surgeries and fancy technology and fancy drugs and all of that. But if you don't have the relationship between the two people and a trust and an understanding of where the other person is coming from and the strengths and weaknesses of the the other person that you're sitting across the table from or sitting next to in a sofa. Right, um, right. If you don't have that relationship, how and as a practitioner, how am I going to take care of someone if uh, I'm prescribing expensive drug and I don't know that they don't have a job because they're taking care of an ailing patient or an ailing parent? So, you know, it's a very complicated thing, but but it's time and um, the interest and the thought that, you know, you have to have a relationship with somebody uh, to take care of each other. Agreed. Agreed. I think the the connection and the relationship building goes beyond, um, as you said, you know, sitting in the couch, any type of business expertise, you know, it, it's, it's really truly understanding where the other person is coming from. And, you know, I have someone very close to me that's ex- been experiencing health um, challenges for quite some time. Um, and it feels like, you know, you're, you're mentioning this, the, the complexity of the healthcare system and, you know, where insurance plays such a large role. Do you think that, um, and I know doctors start to really want to care for people. That's usually why people are going into medical school, you know, trying to improve other folks, you know, their, their lives and things like that. Do you think that sometimes it gets so frustrating for doctors that, you know, they, they have to fit into a box with insurance and things like that? And the more patients they see, or is it, you know, how, how does all of that work? Because I know that some folks in the audience may not understand, well, I only got 20 minutes with my doctor today, and I, and I, I didn't even get to all of my questions. So can you, can you let us know how that works or just some insight into it? Right. So that that's really, it's really a big, sad piece of it, you know, exactly what you're saying. And so there there are these studies out there um, where, for example, the average, uh, and I believe this was a JAMA, uh, Journal of American Medicine Association study, that says that the average 
primary care, meaning family practice or internist physician, spends eight, uh, eight hours a day doing non-patient contact work. Eight hours a day doing non-patient contact work. So how many hours, minutes does that leave for the patient and the wow. physician, practitioner to spend time together? And then you, you mentioned, oh, tw- you know, like I only got to spend 20 minutes with my doctor and I didn't even get to all the things that I needed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, another study shows that the average number of minutes that a primary care physician spends with a patient per year is nine minutes per patient per year of face-to-face time. Now, that doesn't mean that the physician in the physician's office isn't working in behalf of the patient, uh, filling out notes and checking boxes to get reimbursed, calling the insurance company, trying to get a drug approved or a procedure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... You, you you can't take care of anything in nine, <laughs> no. nine minutes a year. <laughs> and so, um, and reimbursements are going down because they're trying to uh, get a cap or a handle on costs. So what the practitioners do is they see more patients, right? So now it's a volume-based proposition where it's making, it's cogs, you know, making widgets, if you will. Right. So physicians are caring for patients, like taking care of widgets. And it's certainly not something that they want to be doing in a way that they want to be practicing. Mm-hmm. But in order to keep the doors open and the lights on, that's the way you tackle it, right? You see more people. Right. And so there are also studies that show if practitioners and patients spend more time together, guess what? They know each other better patient gets better care, mm-hmm. and you actually ultimately save money because you people go to the hospital less. There are fewer readmissions. There are fewer drugs prescribed. Uh, there are few, fewer visits to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And so it actually turns out if you give everyone what they want, meaning Patients and practitioners get to know each other better, have relationships, spend more time together. Right. The costs come down, but the machine is not really set up that way. Okay. You know, we we talk about um, the holistic approach, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to that the um, functional medicine, the more holistic approach to things. So in your health and wellness practice, and then with the other group of very smart, intuitive, very, you know, this other group that that you're working with, farming, and just how we treat the whole person. Will you walk us through some of what's going on there? And as we are trying to create this alternative healthcare universe, what does that look like? Right. So I love that question. And uh, you'll have to cut me off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because we are really trying to create an alternative universe. And, you know, that sounds like a tall order. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, if you, again, if you, if you really bring it down to its essence and you're talking about relationships, you're really talking about your community, your mm-hmm. local community. And there's sort of that concept of think global, work local. And it's exactly the same for medicine, healthcare, staying healthy. So if you talk about the most basic things like 
nutrition. And that might be the most important piece of it. Mm-hmm. But movement, uh, stress reduction, just mindful well-being, all of those things are, are very, very important. But if we get back to even sort of the basic necessities of life, it, you know, you might be getting your food from an organic grocer somewhere, mm-hmm. quote unquote, healthy food. But the reality is a lot of that food has been on the truck for a couple of weeks. Right. And that's not how you get nutrition rich food. So we have someone in our group, Quint Redman with Agroverbia, and he has a system, uh, a patented system on uh, how to grow medical grade, organic, nutrient rich food outside of your door. Uh, So, for example, we live in Colorado, and how we sustain the population in Colorado is really going to be based on water. Right. Um, So he's able to, well, for example, you know, we water our golf courses, right, and all the new subdivisions that are going going up have a certain requirement in terms of the amount of open space that needs to be available for Mm -hmm. people, their um, residents to access. So... Um, part of his concept is why not water your food instead right. of the bushes and the trees and whatnot. And not that you shouldn't have those, but he has a geothermal trellis system that allows you to use a drip irrigation system that's um, monitored for pests and um, the ripeness even of food. Mm-hmm. So you could grow uh, even in the snowy Colorado, you can grow food 365 days a year. So that's a food component. Right. Um, there uh, is a movement with James Maskell and the evolution of medicine. He is really working hard to bring more functional medicine and integrative medicine practitioners on board mm-hmm. to be able to provide care to the more and more and more people that are looking for a more holistic approach to, to their care. So... And there are people working on the technology component. You know, now that we're so subspecialized, we have a left-hand doctor and a right-hand doctor, and the left-hand doctor doesn't what the right-hand doctor is prescribing. And right. So, you know, all those frustrations that we as patients have uh, have endured. Um, and as you, um, you yourself and your family have experienced, if you have any kind of a complicated medical situation at all, you go to see a new practitioner. What do they want you to do? They want you to fill out your name, rank, and serial number, again, again, the list of all the studies you've had and the labs that you've had done and the medications that you've been on, you know, there's a push to uh, unify all of that. And it helps to make things safer, not just more convenient. So there are a lot, a lot of components that are coming together. You know, you touch on that. That is one thing, you know, I think that frustration a lot of folks have, and that is, I've got to fill out paperwork again, for what? <laughs> so right. that is that is definitely um, a frustrating, you know, point of view. I know that the holistic view of the, the patient, the relationship with the doctor, one of the other things I wanted to bring up is, you know, the, the preventative approach. And as we're, we're going down the path of building our relationship with our doctors, um, and really, you know, being an advocate for ourselves and, you know, um, how do you look at the preventative health care, the preventative wellness? What's your take on that, Tanya? 
Yeah, so that's kind of what healthcare is all about, right? And healthcare is caring for your health. It's not putting out fires with your health. That's <laughs> that's right. That is supposed to be about. And so I guess maybe a good analogy would be a financial, like the whole idea of planning for your retirement. Mm-hmm. So we don't start planning for our retirement a week before we retire, right? That's totally nonsensical. Right. So why do we want to do that with our health? Meaning we're talking about all the different phases like birth to death, all the different phases and aspects and changes that we go through in our lives. And we can actually uh, have a say in that. So the way the system is set up is for firefighting. You know, oh, is my tummy ache bad enough that I need to go to the emergency room that, or that I need to go to see the doctor? And it's also a transition transactional problem where you mm-hmm. say, okay, is my tummy ache bad enough that I'm willing to pay a lot of money to go and get it checked out? Right. And that's not healthcare. And so there are many ways to prevent these problems to begin with. And I'll give you an example of an enzyme deficiency that's pretty common in the population. Mm-hmm. Um, MTHFR is a uh, uh, is an enzyme that does a lot of things. In, it helps your body to do a lot of biochemical things, and so that's a genetic thing. And so you know you could have your infant newborn tested for that, mm-hmm. and basically, you one of the basic things to do with that <clears throat> is to replace with some B vitamins. Yes. So if you know that your child genetically has a deficiency of this enzyme from the day they're born and all you have to do is give them a little vitamin, mm-hmm. well, why not do that until all of a sudden the problems of not having this gene start to show up in their 20s, 30s, and 40s? Interesting. So super simple, very straightforward thing, but the insurance isn't going to allow you to test for that. So then we just wait until it becomes a problem. And then we start hunting and pecking to see if we can identify what the problem is. But by that point, a lot of damage has potentially been done Mm -hmm. because you've lived your entire life without this problem. So what are all the different things? And even end of life, you know, we don't like to talk about end of life and practitioners are notorious about avoiding that. You know, we do everything. We're trained to keep people alive, right, Mm -hmm. at all costs. But do we ever ask the patient, okay, what's important to you? Is it your quality of life um, or is it how long that you're going to live? And people have different answers for that, but we don't bother to ask, right? We're doing every last chemotherapy treatment and people are having a miserable time before they go. Right. Um, But we have death doulas in our group. You know, we have birthing doulas that help pregnant mothers with their births. And so there, um, there are such people out there that help you to plan, you know, how do you want to go out? You know, how do you want to leave? So it's really looking at the whole journey of your life and health. And we're trying to take that into account. It's just fascinating when you stop and look at it and hear about it in this way, because we all know cradle to grave and all of the things we go through I mean, it's like, like you said, it's all preventative. I mean, we, we add new tires to our car and, you know, we get the oil changed and, you know, I think we need to start really focusing on ourselves and not allowing someone else to really tell us how to do it. And, and I feel like, you know, 
um, insurance has its place and all these different kinds of things. But I really think, you know, as I as I've stated, as an advocate for ourselves and really building that relationship with a doctor. So thank you for all of this. Uh, well, and I just um, I wanted to touch on the whole insurance thing um, because you mentioned that. Yes. So, so people are going to say to us, right, well, this thing sounds really expensive. It sounds like, uh, you know, a lot of extra stuff. And I have insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's think about that for a moment. So insurance, uh, if you think about your car insurance, your homeowner's insurance, whatever insurance that you have, you don't necessarily, first of all, expect it to pay for the filter changes, your oil changes, right? There's some expectation that you have some responsibility to pay. But at the same time, insurance, if you think about health insurance, it doesn't really cover much for most people because it's not covering those things. Right. But we're paying a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. And so as it turns out, um, and we need insurance, right, for those catastrophic things. And we need a Western approach for if you're in a major car accident I'm, and you've broken your pelvis and three bones in your body, you're not going to go to your acupuncturist, right? Correct. Um, right. So so there's definitely a place for all of that. And we're not talking about being exclusive in, or exclusive in terms of the type of care that we're getting and giving but there are um, non-insurance insurances available out there that work on more of a cash system. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot more affordable and it still works just like insurance does covering those big ticket items. Mm-hmm. But also, as it turns out, paying cash for things makes things a lot more affordable. And so there are studies out there which show, for example, what you might pay or see as an insurance charge for, say, a total knee replacement. Mm-hmm. And if you compare that to places that offer uh, an all-inclusive, maybe total knee replacement package, that it can be as much as 80% less expensive. Oh, my goodness. And, and I'm not saying it's it's a 20% or 50%. Uh, it could potentially be 80% less expensive to pay cash. So why don't we figure out ways to incorporate these types of opportunities um, to help control costs? Agreed. So Agreed. It's just, yeah. I mean, when you bring up those statistics, you talk about all these studies, it's just, like I said, it's eye-opening what we can do for ourselves and in our community. So definitely. Yeah. And I think the hard part, you know, you you might say, okay, well, how, how do, how, how do people know about these things? You know, how do I access these things? Well, you know, as a consumer and even physicians and people that are in medicine, people mm-hmm. that run practices don't know about these things. So uh, some of it is education, just getting the word out that there are these opportunities available. So that's part of what we're trying to do. You know, good marketing is good education. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just really kind of trying to get the word out and, trying to help organize these resources for our patients. Mm-hmm. And when we when we conclude and we put um, the show notes together, we'll I am, make sure that I have some links to different things where people can start, you know, really researching and, and looking at it from a consumer point of view. You know, those are great points, Tanya. Just a couple of things I want to touch on just about you specifically. 
So you said you were, you grew up on a farm. What type of farm was it? Right. <laughs> so my parents uh, farmed uh, about an hour northwest of Boise, Idaho. So we lived um, in a climate very similar to where I live in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we grew onions and potatoes, wheat, sugar beets, uh-huh. like that. Interesting. Interesting. So you know how it all starts. <laughs> the actual good, right. good process. Um, well, I, but I also grew up during the time where we watched the crop dusters too, you know, so that uh, is hopefully we were evolving a little bit more from that too. Right, right. Um, yes, my, uh, my family farms, my husband's family farms. So yes, we, yeah, I understand hearing about all of those, the good and the bad, you know, and I also want to touch base on some of your accolades. You know, here in Denver, you've been one of our top doctors for 5280 Magazine for seven years. You have created a um, a medical device, a patented medical device. You, um, one of the very few women board certified plastic surgeons. I, I just, I think you're phenomenal. And uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's um, hopefully it's all going towards something, you know, that this whole concept that we're really excited about of, in terms of making an actual impact on how a lot of people get care. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Tanya, as we conclude our conversation, first of all, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Thank <laughs> <laughs> <No>, you. <laughs> We're um, all out there doing our thing. Yes, yes. Um, what, you know, I always like to close with a funny story or words of wisdom, anything you would like to share with the audience um, that makes you who you are or the words of wisdom besides, you know, us really becoming advocates for ourselves and our health and really doing the holistic view. What would you like to, to share with the audience as we conclude? Well, I wish I had some amazing words of wisdom. I don't know that I do. But uh, I think one thing that I'd like to mention is that not too long ago, I was very busy just doing my thing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a plastic surgeon and we see our patients and we love them and take good care of them. And um, that was my, that was what I was doing. And I thought that that would be what I would be doing until I retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people will ask, you know, you have kids, are you, would you encourage them to go into medicine? And I think really not too many years ago, I would have said, I, I don't know that I would, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's a lot of time and energy and heartache investment, money, all of that, you know, to do what we do. But I think really with this whole push and movement toward more holistic care, functional medicine, let's mm-hmm. talk about food, movement, mindfulness, all of that. It's it's such a basic and really the best way to take care of ourselves. And there's a lot of hope. And I think part of what we all need to do as patients ourselves is to be an advocate, like you've said a number of times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we love to just sort of have people tell us what the best thing is to do and whatnot. But this point in time in healthcare is not unfortunately a time where we can be lazy about our own care yes. and what's important to us and how we want to receive it. And being an educated healthcare consumer goes a long way. And it's also means to 
talk to your doctors, you mm -hmm. know, about, hey, I read this article. What do you think about this? And not let the experts um, <laughs> brush you aside because they're doing the best that they can do. But there's only, you know, there's only so much they can do right, um, right. themselves. And you know yourselves best or yourself best and you know what you need. You exactly. know what you're looking for. And so don't let the professionals or the experts discount that piece of it because that's the most important part mm -hmm. is what you're trying to get out of that interaction. So I think it's okay to challenge your physicians. And if they're not open to a discussion, uh, to learning and being educated, then you might need to do a little doctor shopping. Right. Again. <laughs> exactly. Because it is, it's about the relationship. I mean, I think everybody in the audience will, will, you know, definitely relate to that. You know, some doctors you go in, you're like, hmm, that just didn't feel right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just, you know, you, you go and you try on another one. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a little work and we don't want to do that, but it's, it's important. You know, you're yes. important and um, yeah, advocating for yourself and, you know, being treated like a customer, you know, we see ourselves as patients, but we're, we're customers and you need to get what you need. Right. So. You know, Tanya, you, bef before we do close, I know there is one customer story you tell me about your car and how I'm just <laughs> <laughs> the customer experience. Well, so this is how we have to train our doctors and our caregivers. So I bought this Lexus SUV, which is sort of another topic of conversation. But <laughs> um, so I go to uh, for my first service um, on the car and I drive up and my, you know, the little dotted lights, those signs that my name pops up, you know, Atagi. And I, I was thrilled by that. Like, they know I'm coming. Like, mm -hmm. I have an appointment. They know who I am. They know I'm coming. The door opens up. I drive in at the floors are clean. It's immaculate. Somebody comes out with their clipboard and says, oh, well, let me just escort you to the waiting area and we'll get you going. So I go into the waiting area of the service department and granted it's attached to the showroom, mm -hmm. but there's nice furniture. Um, and this was pre-COVID. So there was fruit out and <laughs> you know a glass front refrigerator with beverages. And then I walk upstairs and there's a barista. There's a billiard table, a theater wow. room, a grand piano. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is really fancy. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, if they were to tell me that it was going to take eight hours to do the repairs on my car, if I had my laptop, I would be very happy to sit there for eight mm -hmm. hours and mm -hmm. get some work done in this lovely environment waiting to get my car fixed. And then I was thinking to myself, if I was not feeling well, and I had a choice of going to my doctor or the hospital or going to the service department where my car gets repaired. If I, if I were to choose one or the other, I would pick going to the service department where I get my car fixed uh -huh. as opposed to going to see the experts who are supposed to be taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And that's a really sad commentary on the state of affairs with, you know, the people that are that are the experts in, right. in giving care. It truly is the little so, things yes, that make a my, difference. My customer service story. We got to get on our game. I really, truly thank you for your time telling your story. 
um, and really, you know, challenging us as individuals to advocate for ourselves and, and really, you know, put more into our health than what most of us do. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I love what you're doing because I think I mentioned I got the opportunity to listen to your other guests and um, it, it was really great. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been another Evolving Smart Storytelling Session. For more information on how you can support yourself with a wellness focus, please look for links in our show notes.